We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Emprise debit cards are contactless, secure, and faster than ever. So fast, they're giving the cheetah a run for his money. Emprise Bank member FDIC. So appreciative of them and appreciative of my dear pals here that I get to talk to. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Happy game preview episode, my friend. Thank you. I, I'm very excited. I've never been more excited to do a game preview on a Wednesday night to get the bad taste of this Baltimore Ravens game out of my mouth. We can move on to the next. So this kind of new schedule that we have this year is working out pretty well this week. We're getting the game preview. We've turned the page early. But anybody watching on YouTube and all of you listening as you're about to find out, we are not joined by the big institution himself. Oh, no. He's not here. He's a little busy tonight. So we called in. We called up the ringer. We called up the sixth man off the bench. We got the secret weapon, Tucker Franklin. Find him on Twitter at Tucker D. Franklin. Pal, how are you doing this evening? Hey, Maddie. I'm doing great. It is it is a good little schedule. We get the nice little palate cleanser on Wednesday night. It's always good to turn the page. And, you know, I've got some big shoes to fill. Some might say I've got a big institution to fill. Um, <laughs> so I've, uh, I'm looking forward to the tonight's podcast and, and get, talk about these Los Angeles football chargers. Tuck, you nailed the joke, buddy. I just thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I, <laughs> Maddie calling you the sixth man. I I see you as like our there's five of us in KC Sports Network. Um <laughs> but also I picture you as like the Bill Murray in Space Jam. You're our Bill Murray in yeah. Space Jam. Uh I think that's a solid comp. I, I think it's perfect, really. Uh and yeah. you're like and you've apparently got a legit golf game, so uh <laughs> I'm sorry. People Let's where's this going? This the, Craig's not here and we are way off the rails. He's going to have notes for us after this. All right, let's talk about the offensive side of the football as they place, uh, play uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. And Maddie spent a lot of time today breaking down Brandon Staley's defense. It's a defense that we're going to have to get used to seeing here uh, in Los Angeles, Maddie. So normally for these game previews, we kind of go with three big storylines that we think are going to be keys to the game. And kind of this week, one of those is literally just going to spend talking about what Brandon Staley's defense is, because it is something that the Chiefs are going to see two times per year at minimum going forward. It derives from Vic Fangio's defensive coordinating tree. 
So it's very similar. It's just been altered quite a bit to hand to be, have a little bit more uh, college friendliness. It was kind of designed and manufactured in, at the college ranks. So it handles RPOs and the spread game a little bit differently than Vic Fangio did. But a lot of the principles you know, kind of go across. So there's four games within the division every year that are going to have the same general concept. What is that? To make it as simple as possible, it's going to be a too high defensive look. So both safeties are going to be playing deep at the snap. Oftentimes, one of them will roll down and partake in part of the run fits. Occasionally, it will be a slot or nickel corner that will do that instead of a safety. But the whole goal is to give teams favorable looking run looks on the defensive end. They're trying to force teams into running or throwing short passes. They don't want to give up big explosive plays over the top. So they're going to play a lot of match quarters. They're going to have a lot of too high coverage looks. They will spin down and play plenty of cover three, but they don't want you to know that pre-snap. So they're trying to force everything underneath. And you can think back to some of these Denver Bronco games against Vic Fangio and where Patrick Mahomes has kind of had a little bit of difficulty. He's They haven't been able to find a ton of deep shots downfield. The Broncos have been able to generate some pressure, not really through blitzing him or winning one-on-one matchups, but manipulating the protection calls. And that's kind of one of the staples in terms of pass rush with the alignment of using a tight front, using three down linemen and a stand-up or two edge defender. You kind of control the pass protection rules that the offense has to use. So you get a lot of free rushers. You get a lot of just not great matchups or angles for your offensive line. These are kind of just the principles that Brandon Staley relies upon with his defense. And I think it's going to be interesting to see just how the Chiefs go about attacking them because there's there's a lot to it. There's a lot of moving parts. It's very There's a lot of hybrid aspects to it. But the general goal is Brandon Staley's not giving up deep passes. He's going to force you into running the ball and what looks like good looks, and they will challenge you to pick up four yards all the way down the field play after play. Yeah, what I really liked about this Chargers hire, you know, Brandon Staley is a guy who I think I described pre-podcast as a pretty liberal defensive coach. Um, it <laughs> Very was a, liberal. It was, a, it was a, and it was an interesting choice of words. He's just new age in his terms of defense. And usually when when I'm the team I'm looking for is looking for a head coach, I would rather them go after an offensive mind, right? I want them because that's kind of the way the game has shifted to a more of an offensive mindset. But I thought Brandon Staley was a pretty solid fit for this Chargers team and the identity that they had of him being able to, as you mentioned, Maddie, limit the big plays and, and the, the personnel that they have on there. Asante Samuel and that defense is good. The Bosa is a stud. I mean, they've got guys and, and, and they fit well with that scheme. They've done a really good job. And, and that's what I really like about Brandon Staley is that he kind of leans into the analytics. I don't want to say like leans into it, but he, he, he likes them and he uses them in his game and he, and he, and he tries to use them to, you know, bring in what coverages to run and everything like that. So he's a little bit new age in that term. And, and that's why that's this hire like really scared me almost when it, when it happened, it's like, man, that, that's a good choice for this Chargers team. Who's been kind of snake bitten a lot these last few years. You know, uh, I, I liked Anthony Lynn, but couldn't get the job done. Other, other Chargers coaches just couldn't get the job done against the chiefs. But you look at Brandon Staley, you're like, this guy, you know, could be, could be a pretty tough matchup from a Holmes read and, and, and company. Well, and Brandon Staley had some really good talent with the Rams. Right. <laughs> so he had Aaron Donald, he had Jalen Ramsey, he had some dudes. Uh-huh. But I think what needs to, you know, kind of be brought to light is Chargers aren't the cover's not bare on on defense for the Chargers because Joey Bosa is one of the better edge rushers in the National Football League. Derwin James is a special talent. Uh, yeah. There are some talented players um, on that defense, and so you know he he's still got some really quality 
elite players to build around and put in situations to succeed. And there's a lot of adaptability and a willingness to kind of make that possible. I think, he, you know, Brandon Staley is going to play the strengths of his team, but I do think what Maddie kind of said is like eliminating explosive plays is really important. Duh. Uh, but this team is one of the most, you know, they're, they're facing one of the most explosive offenses. No, no, not one of them. They're facing the most explosive offense in football and one of the most dangerous offense in the history of the national football league. And so, you know, it'll be fascinating to see the Chargers old regime had some success eliminating some of the explosive mm -hmm. plays of the Chiefs in the past, too. Maybe it's the same old song and dance with a different or, uh, you know, a different leadership. And Brandon Staley could be a guy that could help do that. You know, like like Matty said, the fans you a treat. Uh, OK, so, yeah, all right. We're talking here about explosive plays. And now we're going to talk about the run game because the run game, you know, I, I know Maddie brought this up in the in some of the in some of the discussions this last you know couple days, you know against the Ravens, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had two runs of seven yards or more early in the game, and then really didn't get going much after that. And I mean, you gotta have some questions about if the Chiefs are going to be able to run the football uh, against the Chargers now. Absolutely, and I think first I think this is a good place to start. We kind of I said this is going to be a little bit about Brandon Staley's defense, so we got to talk kind of how the Chargers play the run. They are going to give you a lighter box. They're going to be outgapped when you look at the box count. There is going to be a running lane that is going to be unaccounted for by the players in the box. It's either going to be filled by a safety or a nickel corner, but they also, on the defensive line, they're going to play one and a half gaps. So every defensive lineman and linebacker is going to have a primary gap, but they're also going to have a secondary gap. So they're not really trying to penetrate into the backfield like the Ravens were. Instead, they're trying to show their body. They're trying to show their numbers in their primary gap keep offensive linemen at bay using their hands so they can play back into their secondary gap if necessary. So what that means is you probably won't get as many negative or zero yard runs that the Chiefs had against the Ravens, who are a very aggressive run. They are playing to penetrate. They are playing a single gap and getting upfield. But what will you, you will get is just a lot. You're not going to get many explosive plays, and the Chiefs running game already isn't producing those. So I think this will be an interesting game to see how that plays out. It's kind of the Chiefs are going to walk right into what the Chargers want you to do in terms of how they play the ball or play it out when they do run. The next trick is the Chargers, they're going to give you looks on RPOs or with box counts, however you want to look at it, that say, hey, please run the ball. That's exactly what they want. So if the Chiefs do decide to do that and choose to run the ball when they should, are they going to have success? The Cowboys are coming off of a game where they had over six yards per carry against the Chargers. Can the Chiefs come anywhere close to matching that? Or are they going to be down closer to four yards or three yards like they kind of have been throughout the season? I think if you want to maintain a balanced attack, you're going to have to have some rushing success against this team that's going to give it to you. Another interesting aspect, too, that I think is how much of the running back arsenal will Andy Reid use? Will he mix in Daryl Williams a little bit more? Will he mix in Jet McKinnon? We saw Jet McKinnon last week, and it seems like all he did was split out wide. Will he now get some carries in this with a with a short box, a, a small box against this Chargers team? Could they use these different running backs, keep legs fresh, especially when it comes to what the Chargers want them to do, keep Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, kind of rested up and maybe – you know, it seems like we say this every week, maybe use him in a pass game a little bit more. Um, it's, it seems like we're, you know, feeding a fed horse at this point uh, when we keep <laughs> talking about that. But uh, I, I just I just hope that we get a little bit more Daryl Williams. I'm a big Daryl Williams fan. I like the barrel. He got got it in the end zone last week. Maybe we can see him get a little bit more carries here, kind of mix up and diversify the looks that they send against this Chargers team. Because all three of those running backs are different runners, different types, different style of backs. And it would be interesting to see how much Andy Reid really mixes it up with those guys back there personnel-wise. 
Well, that could be interesting, Tuck. That you know, I, I still think you know, Clyde. I think I think it's still going to be a heavy dose of Clyde, and I think Clyde's snap count first couple weeks has been pretty up, uh, all things considered, which is something that I'm fascinated by because, you know, I mean, it's not like he's. I don't think he's carrying the ball anymore than he did, but it does seem like his snap count is up a little bit more last couple weeks than it was at, at points in the season last year. Uh, I wouldn't mind us, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a little Jet McKinnon though. I like that yeah. idea, throwing a little bit more jet in there because you know there's that 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 little pitch play that they tried to run, you know, faking a you know a, a toss and trying to pitch it back out to Clyde and Clyde couldn't get the corner. Mm-hmm. That was that was disappointing because like that burst and didn't look like Clyde thought he could either. Uh, watched him kind of approaching right. that line of scrimmage. So um, yeah, maybe throwing a little Jet McKinnon in the mix there to, to kind of add a little bit more 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 speed to that group could be could be a nice little change of pace there. I don't know about Daryl. You know, I'm, I'm still I don't know with Daryl. We'll see. I'm, I I like him. It's just like I think we know what he is. Like right. he is he's pretty north south though. And I you know Clyde hasn't been north south as much as he should be either because Clyde's Clyde's been like he wants to go north but he's just kind of waiting to see <laughs> on yeah. some stuff. So. uh all right, so okay. Well, hold on, just with the run game, I just want to—it's kind of been thinking about it while I watched back some of the Rams games or highlights. I think the Chiefs have incorporated more man scheme or more gap scheme runs this year. I think this is a week you should dial that up even more. I think this gap and a half system that the Brandon Staley sure uses really kind of shines against zone teams where these offensive linemen are already trying to get lateral movement out of their own body. That's what this defensive line wants as well. Yeah, where they're aligned kind of forces linemen to do that but they want you to move laterally i think if you go with a little bit more gap scheme stuff you get some guys pulling you let the offensive linemen attack the defensive linemen who haven't been particularly good this year i think that's where you're going to find more success against this particular type of front um and one thing it kind of felt like we didn't see as much man much gap last week it kind of seemed like they were leaning a lot on that zone a little bit more especially early the early script seemed like it was a lot more of that zone like the stuff we're kind of accustomed to so I don't know if they're holding some stuff back or they just didn't they didn't like the didn't like it as much this week. But it kind of felt we like we saw a lot more of you know kind of the traditional Andy offense, especially like with the run pass options they were running it was all zone with like a slant flat flat screen concept here on the backside of it. I think it was zone every single time. So that'll be interesting. Okay, so we're talking about the defense here. We're talking about Brandon Staley and necessitating. Uh, this team, you know, a team to kind of drive down the field, these small little chunk, you know, small little plays, you know, consistent four yard runs and trying to, you know, eliminate the explosive plays. And, you know, that can in some ways dictate how an offense operates, especially between the twenties. So are we going to see a, a more patient approach offensively? Are we going to see aggressive approach offensively from this team trying to force some explosive plays through there? How does this manifest itself this week against a Brandon Staley defense, Maddie? This is what the Chargers do. They want teams to play patient. They got beat up last year in the playoffs. The Rams did pulling the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers essentially said right after the game, hey, it was just uh, you know a battle of attrition. Whoever caved first was the team that was going to lose and it was the Rams defense. They tried to get aggressive on Rodgers. They finally hit the big play over the top after taking the four yard, after the four yard, after the four yard completion. And that's kind of what you have to do. I'm interested to see if the Chiefs can do that though. We know the Chiefs. They're kind of the team that brought that college deep over route to the NFL to where every team runs it multiple times every year. 
this defense is perfectly designed to stop that. Their staple coverage is going to be cover six. You're going to have essentially the free safety away from the three by one formation. The three wide receivers is going to be playing for that crossing route. They're going to allow the cornerback or safety. It could be Derwin James playing over a receiver or tight end to the solo wide receiver side. They will allow them to play one-on-one coverage and they will use that free safety to block or to cover that deep over. The Chiefs love this route. They hit it almost every single week. They constantly try to find it. This is what the Chargers take away. They take away that. They take away deep posts. All these kind of routes the Chiefs like to do. So with that stuff taken away, will Patrick Mahomes continue like he has through two weeks and just take what's there? Will he just move the ball down the field, throwing quick, short passes, letting his receivers run after the catch? Will they try to get aggressive? I think one area they could look to challenge is on the outside. There's going to be a lot of one-on-one matchups with Mike Davis, with Asante Samuel Jr. Those guys are going to be in a lot of one-on-one coverage. Are the Chiefs going to challenge them downfield to low percentage throws along the boundary? Or are they just going to keep doing what they've done to the Ravens and the Browns? I think it's going to be a good balance. And I think that'll go a long way in determining kind of who has the most success in this game. I think a strategy the Chiefs offense should employ is almost the same strategy that opposing teams use against Patrick Mahomes is uh, keep your defense off the field as long as you can. So just let, let Patrick cook for as long as he can on offense. So maybe overall this whole short route, see short underneath stuff and, you know, game of attrition, like you said, Kent will actually benefit the Chiefs and they can help the defense stay off the field for a little bit and can help the Chiefs score more points and and eventually they're going to come up and stop that underneath stuff right and then over the top will open up but then it also opens up the the whole kind of Pandora's box of do you change to the team you're playing or do you stay true to what you are I think that's always something that that you think about going into games like this of okay Brandon Staley he's designed his defense is designed to stop what you do but do you still try to do what you do because you're good at what you do or do you adapt to it um it's kind of like improvise adapt overcome i think almost at this point so i think i'd, I'd expect kind of patrick mahomes andy reed to kind of gash them rpos quick stuff underneath and then adjust to more of the the deep ball stuff well i think patrick mahomes is one of the things i think we've noticed about him you know he's been very good about taking what the give it, defense gives him a lot better as he's yeah. gotten older. And I think that makes a little bit of sense. But he's done – I mean, last year he was an efficient machine some games games because defenses were just trying to keep a lid on things, right? So what's he doing? He's just pelting underneath and giving – but, I mean, there's a difference between I, – I think there's a difference between, you know, throwing a, a guy short – throwing to a guy short – and throwing it to a guy short in a position where, you know, he's in a good position to maybe get a few yards after the catch. And Patrick Mahomes largely does a really good job of ball placement such that, you know, he's, you know, he's giving some of his guys a chance to maybe make a few plays after they get the ball in their hands. And I think that's one of the growth and maturity pieces of Patrick Mahomes. It's not just that patience and willing to take some of the short stuff, but also, you know, really elite accuracy that ties to some of the footwork he's really been trying to hone in on and some of that kind of stuff too. So, um, you know, if they do try to take some of that short stuff, Patrick Mahomes has proven that he's able to, you know, to to show a level of patience to 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 do it, but also give his guys the best chance to to make a play after the fact. And I think that's valuable, especially in a game like this. All right, players to watch offensively. What we got, Tuck? I'm going with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back. This might be a little easy answer, but it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back after that big fumble. Um, I wonder if they had him carrying a football around the halls. Remember in high school, <laughs> if you had a kid fumble, you're like, you got to carry this God. to the halls all the day. Um, they're professionals, so that probably didn't happen. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see how he responds to fumbling. I think that was his first career fumble, right? Yeah. Um, 
so that's got to be a little jarring, I think. Um, so I, I think he'll, I think he'll bounce back, have a good game. He's going to be a good player to watch. What do you think, Maddie? I think that's a good one. I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. We talked about after the game against the Browns, how he had the quietest near 200 yard receiving game that I think anybody can remember. I think he also had one of the quietest 14 yard receiving games against the Ravens that anyone can remember. The Chiefs offense was kind of humming along. So I don't think it dawned on people that he had four targets, only three catches and only got 14 yards out of it. That's not great. When the Chiefs needed him down the stretch, he couldn't create the separation against Anthony Averett. The pass got broken up on very good coverage. It was something that wasn't a good game for Tyreek Hill. So I do think this is going to be a game where they look to get him back on track. I think he's going to want to get back on track. And like I was talking about before, I think there's going to be some situations where you can isolate Tyreek Hill or any of these other receivers on the outside corners for the Los Angeles Chargers. These The main outside corners, Mike Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., have been targeted 17 times this year. They've given up 12 catches. They've given up over nine yards per target, also two penalties thrown in. So these guys can be attacked there on the outside. There is going to be some one-on-one opportunities. I think Tyreek Hill is kind of the guy you look to go for in those situations. So I'm going to go with Lucas Niang. I think you've got to feel good about where he's at the first couple games of his young career. I mean, this is not, you know, I don't think he's by any stretch of the word a finished product or, you know, the best t- offensive lineman on this football team. Don't get me wrong, but man, I, I think you've got to be really encouraged by where he, Trey and, and, and Creed Humphrey are both all three at. And I think Lucas Niang, maybe the guy that isn't talked about as much as positively, or I, you know, I haven't personally, cause I was very discouraged what I saw early on in training camp. But honestly, I, he looks a lot better than he did at the beginning of training camp. That's a credit to him, his work. Um, I think they've done a good job, um, you know, I, I setting him up to succeed too. Uh, and we'll just see if he can continue to do that, continue to stack good days together. This could be another big game for him. And, you know, hey, look, three rookie offensive linemen playing well, that doesn't happen very often, let alone three lined up all next to each other. So that's – I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far in Lucas Yang is no different. He just needs a little bit of love here because we've been giving a lot of love to those two interior guys. All right, let's talk about the defense. And here's the truth of the matter, guys. Craig couldn't make it because he did not want to talk about the defense. He is disgusted <laughs> by the defense. True. Facts. And, and that's why that's why he's not here. He boycotted. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully the defense can can earn his respect back and, and he'll be back on the show next week. Uh, the, the, okay. So we've got to talk a little bit here about the pass rush because it hasn't really got going. Frank Clark was back last week. Didn't see much of it. There, there really wasn't a ton of, of, of pressure generated by the pass rush, Maddie. There wasn't, I, I, everybody's going to get mad at Frank Clark for not having production coming back, but really across the board, there was absolutely no pressure being generated by anybody. Now, The Ravens' offense for that game was really hard to really pin your ears back and try to rush the passer. They weren't giving the Chiefs the opportunity to just play the pass. The few times that it did happen, it seemed like a lot of times the Ravens were sending some extra help at the defensive ends. Then the Chiefs were responding by sending twists or stunts and blitzes after them. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity. But even when there was, you can go through two games now. It's not been great. The Chiefs do have a quality matchup coming up. Last week versus the Ravens probably was also a quality matchup, but like I said, there was some extenuating circumstances there. The Chargers will drop back and throw the football. They are going to throw the ball nearly 75 or about 70, 65, 70% of the time. You're going to have Storm Norton starting at right tackle. He gave up nine pressures to the Dallas Cowboys. The primary player he saw across from him 
rookie linebacker Micah Parsons was playing edge, was playing defensive end for the Cowboys. He was racking up pressures on Storm Norton. Everybody they lined up over there was. Really, the entire right side of that Chargers offensive line has been pretty susceptible all season long to giving up pressures, giving up sacks. Rashawn Slater, rookie left tackle, been excellent this year, but he's still a rookie. You would think that some veterans could get to him once or twice, you know, with just simple veteran tricks of the trade. So you hope to see some pass rush coming out of it. But if after this game, if the Chiefs aren't getting some pressure off the right side versus Storm Norton, after not getting any pressure against a backup center playing right tackle last week, I do think it is time to really start to panic about this lack of pass rush, where what that might mean for the team going forward, because there should be no reason that the Dallas Cowboys can produce nine pressures off of a singular right tackle and the Chiefs come away with one or two at the end of the day. I think that's one of the storylines, too, that's kind of been almost hammered into the ground and hammered to death. Once again, feed, 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 feed a fed horse. I really stumbled through that one. Uh, but anyway, I think that the Chiefs have a lot of talent and it's not producing and they're paying a lot of money at the defensive line. Everyone's talking about that. It's not a, we get that. We talked about it last year too, right? I mean, this is the same kind of same thing going on. So eventually you have to say, okay, let's, let's make some money here. Let's get a, an ROI. And you know what else is a good ROI? McAdoodles. McAdoodles is a great return on investment. And listen, I'm no Craig Stout, but I'm Tucker oh, no. Franklin, so I get to talk to you about McAdoodles. You know how many comments we get about, is that logo about Craig Stout? Is that Craig Stout in the McAdoodles logo? He no, showed up. It should be. He did. He's there, right there. So make sure you guys go check out McAdoodles for the best selection in wine, liquor, beer. They're not Craig Stout, but they're damn close to Craig Stout when it comes to picking out selections for you uh, in terms of your taste, what you like phenomenal customer service and you know what people are always going to need some liquor especially after a game like we saw on sunday against the chiefs uh, again chiefs and ravens people are going to need it and it's going to be a really great return on investment for you to invest in mcdo's so if you're interested in bringing one to kansas city or wherever you are give roger an email at info at mcdoodles.com i thought you about to say info at roger.com which i which would have <laughs> I even almost been said better. it i almost said it <laughs> I didn't. Tucker, you did fantastic, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Craig, no, better look out. Up. Like, if this defense is going to keep up, he's going to keep boycotting the show. Like, I think we have our we have our ringer. <laughs> I was like, I was so surprised by it. Like, you just, the, the transition was perfect. Listen, uh, I didn't know where I was going with it, but we did it, folks. We did. That was good. That was really, really good, buddy. That was, Thank you. You, 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 you nailed it. And I think because it wasn't coming from Craig, it surprised people. It's it surprised me. Uh, one guy, I'm, I'm actually, I, you know what? I might have made him my player to watch, but I'm not going to now. Tershawn Wharton played 61% of the snaps in week one against the Cleveland Browns. Last week, he played 29 against the Baltimore Ravens. It makes some sense why. But I do think this is a guy that can get some interior pressure. I'd be fascinating to see if he's a guy that can contribute, can help, you know, generate a little bit of pressure here for this, uh, you know, for this defense, because I mean, he looked excellent early on in training camp. Uh, he was getting off the ball well and, and shooting gaps and, and really being disruptive in that interior outstanding effort that this could be a guy to see maybe get in the mix a little bit here. And I don't know, maybe I should have just made him the player to watch, but that, that one was just kind of jarring to me that snap count being so low uh, this week. Not well, I don't even know. I don't even I, maybe it's just because it was it was matchup specific, I think. All right. 
uh, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, two uh, the two best offensive players outside of Justin Herbert for the Los Angeles Chargers. They could be a real problem for the second level of this defense, Maddie. They can't. And I wanted to start with Justin Herbert with this. He's not playing as good this year as he did last year. I know against the Washington football team, he had a fantastic play on third down. But at the end of the day, he still got a one to two touchdown to turnover ratio on the season. He's not putting up the same numbers he did last year. Things have been a little bit tighter for him this year. It looks like he, I'm not saying he's playing poorly. It just isn't going as well. He hasn't picked up right where he left off last year. I think some teams got some tape on him. They're kind of figuring it out. When that happens, you look to your safety valves. You throw the ball nine times to your running back, Austin Eckler, out of the backfield and just look to isolate him in space versus Dallas Cowboys. Not good, but also not as slow as Chiefs linebackers. Nine times you look for Keenan Allen out of the slot over the middle versus those same linebackers and those safeties over and over and over again. This is something the Chargers have always done throughout, you know, I figure Andy Reid's career there, they found a way to get the ball to these fast, quick running backs in space, Keenan Allen out of the slot over the middle. These are two things that have killed the Chiefs through recent years. This linebacker room, this safety room has not done a great job corralling to the football underneath. We saw a couple plays with Nick Fulton or Anthony Hitchens, even Ben Neiman, Dan Sorensen, in coverage just versus the Ravens, where they've unable to close out on some short underneath passes. If that continues to happen this week, it could be another nine-catch performance from Austin Eckler. And like I said, I think the Cowboys defense might be a little bit faster through the middle, so maybe it's not only 60 yards. That could easily become 90, 100 yards just because they're unable to contain these guys. The Chiefs got to have a plan, short and under the middle, to kind of contain these two guys, force the Chargers to beat you going deep. They can. Herbert's shown that he can do it, but make them beat you there, not underneath where everybody feels safe going to these two. Yeah, it's almost the reverse Brendan Staley, right? Um, it's That's kind of what the defense you get on play here is too. But I've been thinking about this a lot, especially when you talk about Austin Eckler. You know, there's a whole running backs don't matter crowd, right? And they, we the, the Chiefs just had a couple no-name running backs run all over them um, in, in Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, I should say. Uh, but I've been thinking about this a lot. The Chiefs went up against two really good rushing attacks um, with, with the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. And how much of that is these teams are just really good at running the football and just being physical. And how much of it is the Chiefs, you know, kind of front seven's not very good. And I do think it's a little bit of both a combination of both. And I kind of want to want to phrase uh, kind of ask you this question, Kent. How what do you think there's what's like the percentage makeup or if that there's one that's more than the other? Cuz I think almost the optimistic Chiefs fan of me is thinking, "Oh, they just played some really good really good teams but i still know in the back of my head you know this isn't the best front seven in the league yeah but it wasn't the best front five they were going up against the ravens too and i think that is something Uh that's worth monitoring there too the talent up front was not anything to write home about now as maddie said versatility in the in the run scheme and probably some some unscouted looks there for at least week from week one to week two there was some definite unscouted looks in the run game so there's a little bit of all that i think you know you got to be concerned, I think, you know, about some of the execution that you saw. And I think we spent a lot of time talking about the, the fits were really bad. The run fits really bad. People getting into their same gap, people getting out of their own gaps, all that kind of stuff. Like that stuff matters. The basics really matter. And so there's a little bit of layer of that. There's a little bit of, you know, the talent that they're playing across the other side of the field. There's, there's, I mean, there's, there's certainly factors involved. And I think what you're going to see is we need a larger sample size to find out if these are an aberration, if these are who this group is, if they can improve on it, there's a lot of layers to that. 
And Andy spent a lot of time talking about, you know, fundamentals and, and some of the stuff, the basic stuff they need to clean up, you know, tackling. I think he brought up tackling. And that's something we need to talk about here is, you know, not only tackling, but some of the basic stuff that, you know, the basic execution maybe help kind of get this defense back on track. If they just go try to do their job, uh, and it starts, I think, with some tackling, but it can be, it can be other things too, Maddie. But that that execution at a basic level, how far can that get them? You know, to this point. So I know Andy Reid really, and some of the Chiefs players have to really harped on tackling. And I'm not saying the Chiefs tackling has been good. It really hasn't been. The bigger issue to me has been getting in position to make tackles and not the act of tackling. If you look at the Chiefs kind of missed tackles on the year, and I get that every website's going to be a little bit different in how they record this, but using pro football focus, the Chiefs have missed 21 tackles on the year. Just looking around the league, you know, you're facing, like Tucker said earlier, two of the best running teams in the NFL. You think that's going to put you in the position to potentially miss more tackles in other games. So I looked at teams that have played, you know, the same opponents. The Houston Texans have played the Cleveland Browns. You looked at the uh, Baltimore Ravens beat. Who did they beat in week one? Right. Just they they the lost Raiders. to the Raiders. Plus, they lost to the Raiders. Both those teams have more missed tackles than the Chiefs on the year. So it's not like the Chiefs are falling so far behind other teams that have played the same opponents, if that makes any sense. Again, I don't want to say the Chiefs are tackling well. I just think the missed tackles are being blown out of proportion just a little bit. For example, out of those 21 missed tackles, nine are credited to just Daniel Sorensen. The next highest on the team is two. And guys with two, Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, deep safeties, you would expect them probably to lead the team and miss tackles because that's not, you know, their strong suit. And we can talk about Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill not being great tacklers as well. But outside of Dan Sorensen, I don't feel like tackling has been that much of an issue. It's been getting in position to tackle. I think that's the bigger problem the Chiefs are facing right now. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's been it's been almost uh, a, a, I don't want to say scheme because I don't think the scheme's messed up. Um, it's 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 a certain genesequa about this defense when it comes to uh, what to put your finger on. It's not good against the run. You but fancy, it, huh? It's <laughs> kind of a it's multifaceted in in what it is. And like you mentioned, uh, you know, Dan Sorensen is catching a lot of heat for missing nine tackles. You know, as he should. I mean, he's a defensive player. His job is to tackle the football. That's what it is. But you would like to see guys up front record more tackles. Uh, I think last year, Dan Sorensen led the team in tackles, if I remember correctly. So that's not – you really don't want a safety uh, leading your team in tackles. That means there's a lot of stuff getting behind. Uh, but I think you really want your linebackers to do so. And, and we need to see some linebackers make a little bit of moves this, this in this game. I wonder, you know, Maddie, you kind of said it's not just the pure missed tackles. It's being in a position to make a tackle. And I could very easily see Andy kind of putting just all of those issues into the same bucket and calling it tackling. Hmm. Like, I do think there is plenty of validity to what you're saying there as far as, you know, being in a position to make a tackle because the linebackers were out of position very often to make a tackle. Uh bad angles to the football from the third level, of the defense at times, like there are definitely some things there that, you know, if you're, if you're talking to a coach about tackling, it's going to be body positioning, you know, bending your knees and, and some of that kind of stuff. And I think that all plays into, it. it's not just the actual physical action of getting contact with a player and falling off of them. I think there probably is some truth to what you're saying, Maddie, as an all encompassing issue. Um, and, and I think some of those things are, are fixable, but some of them, some of the guys that you, I'm, we're not, I'm not going to say anybody's name, but there are some people like the third, the, basically the entire second level of de defense struggles in, spa in space. Like, okay. let's just be, let's just be candid. They like, do. 
the entire like you don't even have to name anybody specifically. The entire second of the level of the defense struggles in space in a game that is more and more becoming about space. I would and, make the argument that in terms of tackling, the entire safety room struggles in space. I think that's I don't fair. Think, I don't think Tyron Matthews is a particularly strong tackler. I think Juan Thornhill makes some nice plays, but they're always when he is designed to trigger downhill pre-snap and not him making the read to do so. And Dan Sorensen in years past has been your most consistent at running the alley and filling in for the run, never from in the box. But when he's playing from deep, he's been good at it in the past. This year, like we said, nine missed tackles, and some of them have been back-breaking. Like, I think the entire middle part of the Chiefs' defense is not particularly well-equipped to make tackles in space right now. Good news is the corners are about that life. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I mean, they're willing. We've seen it. <clears throat> All right, players True. to watch. What do we got? Tucker, you're up Me? first. Me? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. My player to watch, Nicholas Bolton. Uh, he is coming off not the best game of his career, I would say. I'd say week one was a little bit better than week two. Um, there have been people to argue otherwise, but in my opinion, he's got some room to develop, especially in his past coverage. As Maddie pointed out to me pre-podcast, Chargers are probably going to pass the ball a lot. Um, they got a pretty heavy pass script with Justin Herbert, so this will put him to the test. And there's also an all-Mizzou matchup play around tree. The third is one of the Chargers backs. So got to, got to watch my guys. For me, I'm going to go with Juan Thornhill. I think everybody's made a huge deal. He's going to have seen it by now of only playing 11 snaps against the Ravens game script. It's very much is game script. And I think that flips on its head this week because not only are the Chargers not going to play 23 per, or 32 personnel, 23 personnel, 40, whatever they were playing with all those tight end H back fullbacks out there, they're going to spread it out. You're going to get a lot of three wide receiver sets. Even when they go with two tight ends with Donald Parham, he's a six foot eight, 250 pound receiver. Yes, it's a big body, but he's still not known for his blocking. Like this team is going to spread it out a little bit more. They are going to throw the ball a little bit more. Justin Herbert has been throwing the ball downfield. You know, he's taken nearly half of his passing attempts have gone past 10 yards. He will put the ball downfield in the harm's way. Juan Thornhill makes a lot of sense to see more reps now. I think he's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. He played really well in that first week against the Cleveland. Well, really well is a strong word, but he played well against the Cleveland Browns. He was one of the players in coverage that looked pretty well like he knew what he was doing. So I'm going to go with Juan Thornhill coming back kind of for a little bit of a revenge game, but only on his own team for sending him out versus the Ravens. <laughs> I'm going to go with the guy that everybody wished that he was replacing. We're going to go with Dan Sorensen. And I'm fascinated to see the snap count if there is any adjustment to a very poor performance by Dan Sorensen. Is there any packages that change because of that? Uh, any snap counts, snap counts that change in the base because of that? Um, but also how he responds. And also do the Chargers try to play to that a little bit? Do they try to work on him a little bit more and force him to actually make some tackles? Uh, as Tucker Franklin said yesterday, Dan Sorensen hates charity. Uh, let's go ahead and make some predictions for this game. Tucker, let's hear what you got. It's going to be a close game. These, these teams, especially these divisional teams spend all year trying to think of ways to beat the chiefs and they play them twice a year. So they're usually always close. That's what they're building their teams for is beating the chiefs. Um, so usually when we come to these matchups, you're like, Oh, it's a tough matchup against the chargers, tough matchup against you know, well, I'm not going to say the Broncos because they kind of suck. And it's a tough matchup against the Raiders. But I think it's going to be a close game. 38-35 good guys for the Chiefs on a, 
I think it's going to be a defensive stand. I think the Chargers will be driving to get into field goal range. Defensive stand, they win by three. For me, I was going to pick a close game as well. I think the Chargers have been playing the Chiefs well lately. I think that this Brandon Staley defense really is well-tuned and designed to slow down the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they have the one player in the NFL in Derwin James that does match up well with Travis Kelsey. They have the one player that can potentially match Kelsey one-on-one at times or for the majority of the game. They have weapons on offense that should challenge some of the weaknesses of the Chiefs. The Chiefs haven't looked great so far this year. That said, I think the Chiefs are pissed off. I don't think they are. I don't think they're just mad that they lost. Every team gets mad when they lose, but I think the Chiefs are actively pissed off for the way they've played. I think they feel like they are not playing their best football right now. I think the Chargers are going to get the brunt of that. The Chargers are going to walk in to Kansas City and they are going to get the full home field advantage. The Chargers are going to get mopped across the field 35 to 20, and it's not that close. Well, I hope you're right. Because I'm predicting another very close game for... Yep, here we go again. Get ready to play 10 again. Look, Tucker Tucker picked a closer game than I'm about to pick. I'm going to go 31-24. I I do think that this team bounces back. I think they played better than they did last week. I think the defense responds in a good way. I think some of the basic issues that you saw, some of the run responsibilities, some of the tackling, some of the space issues might get resolved a little bit. There's only so much you can do in the space stuff, though. Uh, offensively, I think they're, I, I, you know what? I think you're right. I think the chargers are going to try to give the chiefs some of the short stuff and the chiefs are going to make some really consistent drives, but they are going to br- break a couple big plays, uh, a couple explosive plays. And actually, you know what I'm going to go? I'm going to go Tyree kill on a slant, a well-placed slant by Tyree kill running through that defense. How about that? Uh, we're going to get an explosive play, a runaway. Uh, for a touchdown the Kansas City Chiefs win 31 24 that is going to do it if you checked in on the KC Sports Network Substack, you would see that McCall Hardman's the one that's been getting a lot of those slants this year any chance that you want to uh adjust your uh prediction to McCall Hardman catching the slant no okay that's going to do it for the KC Laboratory game preview thank you so much for listening we will be back to break down this game on the KC uh SM live post game show spring is in the air at littleton coin company and we want to help you brighten your collection visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15 percent off your purchase with a wide selection of coins paper money supplies and more littleton coin company has something for every collector's taste Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.